welcome to our service today from the Ellesmereport Methodist Churches here on the world. We hope you're well and we hope that joining us on this service, whether by video, audio or thinking of those who will be reading it at home, we hope that you'll be brought closer to God. We hope you'll be blessed. Today we'll be thinking a lot about mountains. Isaiah 52 verse 8 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. We're starting at last to get some good news about the pandemic. We anxiously look at the newspapers every day to see what the progress is and the numbers are dropping and the vaccinations seem to be having an impact and many more people are being vaccinated. But the real good news that Isaiah talks about here goes far beyond anything that we can read about in the papers or anything that we see day to day. It goes far beyond even the kinds of encouragements that we anxiously look for in terms of our health. It's the news that God is in control and that our real hope is in the one who is completely trustworthy. Isaiah just tells us, our God reigns.
Heavenly Father, we can't think of many times in our life that we've more needed the assurance that you reign. Just as your people Israel were feeling abandoned in a foreign land with no sign of relief, so we have spent the last year in a strange land, cut off from friends, family and fellowship, fearful of the future and struggling in the present. And just as you spoke to them with words of encouragement, you speak to us today. Your God reigns. We confess that our faith does falter, and we wonder where you are in these dark times. Draw close to us in our confusion and loss, and by the power of your Spirit and the life of Jesus in us, help us to open our hearts in worship and lift up our hands in praise. For it's only in coming into your presence that we will be able to know the assurance of your compassion and your strength in our time of need. Father, we worship you, creator and sustainer of the universe. Lord Jesus, we worship you, saviour of the world. Holy Spirit, we worship you, the one who strengthens, sustains and sanctifies the people of God. Glory be to the Father, Son and Spirit. Amen. Let's reflect that prayer to the Trinity, that praise of the Trinity, as we sing, Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Spirit, we love you.
television has been a bit of a saviour for many people during lockdown. All the newspapers are full of people writing about the, the box sets they've finally been able to watch and some of the comfort television that they've enjoyed. I must confess we've done the same. Uh, there's nothing like a, an episode of Love It or List It to make you look around and enjoy what you've got. I'm betting I know when a lot of you got your first televisions. I'm too young to remember, but I know exactly when it was. I'd say June 1953. It was the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. And those who could went out and bought televisions and all the neighbours came in and there was tea and biscuits and 15 people huddled round a 12-inch black and white screen watching these flickering pictures. But do you remember another important incident that happened at that time? Coincidentally, just came in time for the coronation. On the 29th of May, 1953, there was the first ascent of Everest by Hillary and Tenzing. And by the time the runner had got down to Kathmandu and the message had got through from the British Embassy in Kathmandu to the BBC back here, finally the news was announced on the morning of the coronation, 3rd of June. Coronations and mountains. Now there's a nice combination, just links together our two themes for today. Mountains are really interesting and really significant places. There's something about mountains. We lived in India for 12 years, as some of you know, and we lived up in the mountains. Our house was at just under 7,000 feet and we could walk 20 minutes up the back of the hill from where we were and see a vista of 200 miles of the high peaks of the Himalaya. The Himalaya means the abode of the gods and the mountains were very, very precious and very significant to Hindus. We lived about an eight hour drive from the source of the Ganges River at a place called Gormuk, the cow's mouth. We tried to get there one year, uh, an Easter time, but blizzards drove us back. We never quite made it. We lived a two-hour bike ride from the highest peak in the first range of the Himalayas at 10,000 feet, a place called Sukunda Devi. It takes you about 40 minutes to climb up or you can get a donkey if you're feeling really idle. And from the top you get great views and of course there's a temple on the top. There's something about mountains. They require us to make an effort to get there. There's a sense of achievement in getting to the top. It's an unmistakable destination. You can't go any further on. Actually, a few of us climbed a hill in Scotland one time and thought we'd got to the top, but we saw people disappearing past us down a little valley and when the clouds cleared, we realised we were just a little way up and there was a much higher peak beyond us. But be that as it may. Mountains are often quiet and solitary places that are away from the noise of life. The air is clear. They enable us to see further. They give us space to time and time to think. They give us perspective. 
somehow on the world below. And of course, mountains feature a lot in the Bible. They are places of solitude and reverence where people met with God. Think of God. Think of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai. Think of Elijah, locked away in his cave, full of depression, and hearing that still small voice of God after the noise and tumult of the whirlwind and the electric storms. This was, of course, following his battle with the priests of Baal, which took place, of course, on top of a mountain, on Mount Carmel, the high places. Whether or not the hills are alive with the sound of music, the quietness and solitude of mountaintops has always been a place for meeting with God, especially when there are important things to think about. We're told that Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. We can't get out much at the moment. The best I can manage is Hellsby Hill, not exactly the Himalayas. But we can create our own quiet place to meet with God. What's yours? How have you been spending time with God? Can you say with John, as he did years later, reflecting on his time on the mountaintop with Jesus, we have seen his glory. Have you experienced the glory of God in your times with him over the last year? There'll never be a better time to spend time with God because what else is there to do? And what better could we do? Wherever we are, whether it's a mountain top or sitting in our kitchen, we can experience the presence of God. We can recognise that God is in this place. Let's listen to and maybe join in with this simple song with words by David Adam. You, Lord, are in this place.
Lord, we meet with you week by week through these services, even though we can't meet with others. May these videos, podcasts and service sheets be for us a gateway to heaven, a meeting place with God. May we know your presence and be refreshed and renewed in faith. In Jesus' name. Let's hear our first reading, Psalm 125, a psalm of ascent, one of the songs that pilgrims would have sung as they climbed up the road towards Jerusalem, preparing to worship and reminding themselves that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Sarah Wardle reads for us. Psalm 125 The Security of God's People Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which can never be shaken, never be moved. As the mountains surrounded Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, now and forever. The wicked will not always rule over the land of the righteous. If they did, the righteous themselves might do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who obey your commands. But when you punish the wicked, punish also those who abandon your ways. Peace be with Israel. Our second reading takes us right to the heart of our theme. It records three disciples, Peter, James and John, ascending a mountain with Jesus, not to Jerusalem, but to a new place of worship, the holiest place there is, the very presence of the Son of God. The reading is from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. As they looked on, a change came over Jesus and his clothes became shining white, whiter than anyone in the world could wash them. Then the three disciples saw Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. Peter spoke up and said to Jesus, Teacher, how good is it that we are here? We will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He and the others were so frightened that he did not know what to say. Then a cloud appeared and covered them with its shadow, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my own dear son. Listen to him. They took a quick look round, but did not see anyone else. Only Jesus was with them. As they came down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has risen from death. This story marks the turning point in the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. Ever since he called his disciples, he's been slowly enabling them to understand who he is, and what his purpose is. They've been slow to learn, but the evidence has been mounting 
and with it their comprehension, stilling the storm, healing, forgiving sins. Who is this man? Finally comes the key moment. Jesus says to them, Who do people say I am? There are various answers. And who do you say I am? Wow. That's the key question. That's the key question for all of us, really. Peter replies for them all, You are the Christ. That's the point at which Jesus begins to explain to them the significance of what that means. A Christ who is not a conqueror, but a suffering servant. The Son of Man, he says, must suffer, be rejected, die and rise again. He sets out the way of the cross and says that anyone who wants to follow him must likewise walk in that path, taking up their cross. Six days later, we see Jesus climbing a mountain with Peter, James and John following. Imagine the three disciples, hot, thirsty and no doubt wondering why all this effort was necessary. And they reached the top. We'll think about what they saw, what they heard and what they understood. What did they see? They saw Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Moses, the lawgiver. People talk about the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books, the heart of the faith of Israel. Elijah, perhaps the greatest of the prophets and the one who was expected to be the precursor, the forerunner of the Messiah. What's the significance of these two characters? Well, first of all, they symbolise the whole of God's revelation. Jews referred to the Bible as they had it, the Old Testament as we would call it, as the law and the prophets. That's what it was. That was the way they summed up the scriptures. The presence of Moses and Elijah on this mountaintop reaffirms, first of all, that Jesus is the culmination and the fulfilment of God's self-revelation. He is the law and the prophets all bound up in one person. Jesus said of himself, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So how does he fulfill the law and the prophets? How does he fill it full? Well, first he takes the law beyond the externals. Whereas the law said, thou shalt not murder. He speaks into the heart, the motives, and he says, whoever is angry without cause is in fear of judgment, is effectively a murderer. Then he offers us a new status in God, which is free from the damning verdict of the law. Paul writes a lot about this in Romans. I've just picked out one snippet of one of the verses, but you, you need to read the whole of it to get the real sense this is what he says, this righteousness from God comes from through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's in Romans 3. The law could not make us righteous. All it could do was demonstrate that we couldn't keep up to God's standards. But Jesus has brought about a righteousness which is available to us 
as we trust in him God makes us righteous and in working out that righteousness in working through that he enables us to live a life of true righteousness and inner holiness as we share his resurrection life in the words of the prophet Ezekiel he will change our heart of stone to a heart of flesh well this is wonderful but how is this possible is this just something that Jesus will say and do is this just a decision that God makes let's listen to what they heard what was Jesus talking about with Moses and Elijah Luke is quite specific he says this they spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem and the Greek word therefore departure is the word exodus the use of that word is no accident it tells us first of all that the death of Jesus was not an unforeseen event a sad end to a promising career it was a planned departure and of course it connects his death with the greatest story of the people of Israel the exodus from Egypt it's no coincidence that Jesus died at Passover time in the Passover story we see a picture of the salvation which Christ achieved for us deliverance from slavery from oppression sacrifice the Lamb of God the shedding of blood and purpose the promised land peace and security a destination the reign of God how much of this did they understand well unsurprisingly Peter James and John were overwhelmed and baffled by what they saw the Jesus they thought they knew the everyday man they'd walked with the person of flesh and blood was now shining with divine light John wrote many years later we saw his glory the glory of the only begotten Son of God God's glory shining from somebody that they'd eaten with and walked with we don't know how long it took John and the others to join the dots and come to a full understanding of who Jesus was but he got there eventually hopefully we will too Peter I love him as always he feels he has to blurt something out he's always the first one to speak isn't he it's good to be here let's make a camp and stay here you Moses and Elijah can have a shelter each maybe he meant a shrine maybe he wanted to lock down that experience then they hear the voice of God this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased listen to him and then there was only Jesus the law and the prophets faded and Jesus alone the fulfillment of all things stood before them what an extraordinary event what can we learn from it well the first and obvious thing is Jesus is unique 
Moses and Elijah disappeared, the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son, Jesus stood there alone before them. He's the fulfilment, the culmination of all that God had revealed through the thousands of years of Israel's history. There's nothing more, only the ongoing spirit-led comprehension of the full counsels of God revealed to us in the scriptures. Read them, think about them, ask God to reveal himself through them. And then second, the cross really is the crux. As we enter into Lent, let's prepare our hearts to understand and apprehend more of the meaning and significance of the cross and the resurrection in our lives. Have you known that deliverance which it promises? Do you feel that you've been freed from the slavery and guilt of sin? Are the power of the blood of Jesus and the presence of the Spirit turning your heart of stone into a heart of flesh? Finally, Let's just mention something else about the story. While these three disciples were on the mountaintop with Jesus, below in the valley, the others were struggling with a demon-possessed boy, unable to help the father in his anguish. Somebody gave us a book by Mike Perrin, a mountaineer who was involved in a Christian mountain uh, project in Wales for many years. He wrote a book of reflections. He comments on this incident. He talks about climbing up through the snow, through the clouds to the top of Snowdon with a group of people and coming across what he expected but they didn't, the clear blue shining sky above the clouds. This is what he says. When we are struggling in the valley, defeated and downcast, with no clear understanding of what's happening because of the thick cloud around us, it's then that we especially need to appreciate all that the three disciples saw and heard on the mountaintop. How easy it is to assume that because Christ cannot be seen in a particular situation, his influence and power must be severely limited. Yet all the while, hidden from human gaze, he is clothed in majesty and reigns in power. Our God reigns. Let's sing a hymn that reflects this story. It's a relatively modern one written by Brian Wren in the 1960s. Jesus on the mountain peak.
Jesus is the chosen one, living hope of every nation. Let's pray. Almighty and loving God, you love this world so much that you gave your only son Jesus to be our saviour. He emptied himself of glory and became your suffering servant, living a human life, despised and rejected and suffering death on a cross. Yet you exalted him above all things, and he is our Lord, and we know his presence with us. Today we give thanks for your glory shown on the mountain of transfiguration, where you pulled back the veil of heaven, and Jesus was revealed in majesty. You call upon each one of us to listen to him, and so we open our hearts to your word, and ask you by your spirit to lead us in your ways and give us strength to follow you. Show us how our lives may be transfigured by your presence, that the radiance of Jesus would shine through to the dark places of the world. Help us to live in ways which show by our deeds the words of Jesus, who is friend of the outcast and of the poor. May we be moved to think of ways of helping the vulnerable, to bring the compassion of Jesus to those who suffer, to bind up the lonely and the broken-hearted. In these ways, may we experience your presence with us in the common tasks of life. We pray for the nations of the world and those who govern, and we ask that our world leaders would seek justice, mercy and peace. We pray those who govern nationally and locally that our land may be led in ways of righteousness and respect for all people. And we pray that the vaccination programme will grow and develop and will reach all those in need across the world. As we prepare this week for the coming of our Lenten journey, may we be attentive to the voice of Jesus guiding us along a holy way. Heavenly Father, reassure each one of us of your promises of resurrection life. May the brightness of the risen life of our Lord Jesus Christ guide each one of us to your eternal safekeeping. We ask these things in Jesus' name. The Lord's Prayer Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I found this song by Matt Redman, which seemed appropriate, standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Never once, we never walk alone. 
Matt Redman sings. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes our hearts can say.
May you this week find that special place with God and may you find a glimpse of his glory. Climb a mountain or just a little hill. Sit in your kitchen. We can all manage that. Do some gardening. Walk in the woods. John records these words of Jesus. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. May Jesus be in your home this week and may your home be in Jesus. Amen.